Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be with you. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to johnwarrenmedia.com for more information about who we are. Our sponsor is CFS Financial, and you can also go to johnwarrenmedia.com to learn more about our company. We consult with nonprofits and sometimes for-profit companies on various matters, including debt resolution, all matters financial, all matters related to governance and strategic planning. So please go to johnwarrenmedia.com for more information. Well, you've enjoyed, I hope, with me a couple of interesting episodes on critical race theory and uh, critical theory in general. And uh, you've met uh, Matt Adams now, the head of the new head of school at Circle Christian School. And, uh, I want to thank you, our uh, loyal listeners, for for staying with us. Uh, the The comments are um, so encouraging, and uh, I run into people who surprise me from time to time who who tell me that this is a, a podcast that is meaningful to them, and I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for my wife Connie, who is here today with us yet again. You've met her before, so welcome. Thank you. And I'm going to dispense with the lengthy introduction, but I do want to focus on your credentials as it relates to our topic today. Today, we're going to go where where few are able to go, and we're going to let you sort of be a fly on the wall for our family discussions about COVID-19. Now, when I say a fly on the wall... We talk, I, I don't, don't know whether you do this or not at your home, but we talk, I want to say all the time, not all the time, but often about this virus. Connie is a nurse. She is still licensed. She has a bachelor's degree in nursing from the University of Florida and has a master's degree in nursing administration from the University of Central Florida. She has also taught biology. She's been in the classroom. And so we have these really interesting conversations uh, around our home about COVID-19. And so I asked her to join me for this episode, and we'll do more if you're interested in hearing more. But we want to take as much time as is necessary in this episode to really provide an overview of COVID-19. Now, the disclaimer... Uh, you've heard my disclaimer before that I'm not an investment advisor. Well, uh, we, we are also not giving you medical advice. The best place to go for medical advice for you is not a podcast, not the Internet. And I'm a hypocrite for telling you that, but to your primary care physician. So uh, welcome to this episode of COVID-19. Let's just kick it off with a discussion about viruses. And let's just talk about what a virus is, because pre-COVID, I thought I knew what a virus was. 
And then now based on conversations that we've had, uh, and I'm sure your students know what a virus is, but based on conversations we've had since then, I'm, I'm a little murky on, on what a virus actually is. Okay. Well, this is just going to be a very high level look at what a virus is. And it's certainly not a biology lesson, but I think it's important for people to just understand some terminology that they just keep hearing on the news and trying to connect the dots of how that all fits into this COVID virus that we're talking about. Well, first of all, there are only three types of viruses. It seems like there are millions, but there's really only three types. There are bacteriophages, which can only inhabit a bacteria, adenoviruses, which are what we're familiar with, COVID, common cold, stomach flu, etc., and then the human immunodeficiency virus, or as we know it as HIV. Those are the only three types of viruses. So the ones that we are very familiar with, as I said before, are adenoviruses, and that's the one that affects most of us. Common cold, stomach flu, respiratory flu, COVID is an adenovirus. The CDC has a pretty good definition of what viruses are. Viruses cannot be seen, uh, and I'm going to interject as I read their definition, but viruses cannot be seen under a regular microscope. They're that tiny. They have to have a, a specialized microscope, like an electron microscope, for them to be able to even be seen. So what's interesting about viruses is they cannot live on their own. They have either RNA or DNA, and they have nucleic acid that can be double-stranded or single-stranded, but that's all they have. So a virus to live has to survive in a living cell. So that's what makes them, that's the only way they can replicate and stay alive. So that's what makes them, makes you feel so sick when they invade your body is they're actually invading your cells to get the energy from those cells so that they can continue to live and survive and reproduce. Okay, good. I am taking notes and I, I jotted, uh, pardon the delay there, but I'm, I'm taking notes and I jotted down a question because I, I think it's off our topic, but how does a virus invade bacteria? What, I mean, what is that? What, and not how does it, but what does that look like? Is there, can you think of an example of that happening or some way for us to relate to that? Because it, it, it sounds like it's obscure, but you just named three types of viruses. We're going to focus on the adeno, adeno, is that what you called it? Correct. And, and we know what HIV is, but what is this bacteria invading virus? It's generally not a problem to humans. It's usually out in the, um, like the soil or ah, in okay. uh, plants, things like that. All right. So, And I, I know we're planning on talking about some other things, and we're trying to cover a lot of ground, but I, I immediately jotted a question that I think you just answered, but I'm not sure that, I mean, maybe the science-savvy part, medical-savvy part of our audience got it. I probably would have missed it if we hadn't had conversations on this, but... You said that the virus has to have, I think you said, a living cell to inhabit, right? Correct, yes. Okay. And is a living cell, does that mean like a human or animal? Yes. Human or, it has to have a cell that has, that is a living cell, has to have a nucleus. It has to have all the components that can help it reproduce itself. 
Okay, so a virus doesn't have that. It has components of a cell, but it is not living without a host. Yeah, and the John's the dumbest podcast host to ever host a podcast category. Does cardboard have cells? No, it doesn't. Cardboard doesn't have cells. No, because it's not alive. Who knew? Animals have cells. Animals have cells. Do plants have cells? Plants have cells. They do. They have. They Can have a virus a live in a plant? No. But they have cells. They have cells. Is that a different kind of cell? It's a different kind of cell. Oh, all right. And so you're saying this virus dies if it's not in a cell. If it's not in a living a living organism like an animal, a human, okay. something like and that. And can viruses generally, I'm sorry to interrupt, but can yeah. viruses generally move, morph, not morph, uh, no, move from a human to an animal or an animal to a human? Do they? Yes. Yes, they can. They can. Yes. So could your dog get COVID? Yes. Or a cat? Yes. Really? Yes. Gerbil? Um, I would think, yes. Pet snake? Hmm, that's a reptile. I'm not sure. Okay. They they do know they ha- they have tested animals and they they can carry COVID. Okay. Now whether they have the same symptoms that we do, I haven't seen anything that says that, but they absolutely can test positive for it. Do you buy the this virus came from a bat theory? Hmm. Okay. I don't. You don't? I don't. So, And I don't because, and this is me, I'm not a virologist or anything, but I, I do try to read some of the scientific studies. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I say that is based on the, the sequence of the proteins in the cells are like a perfect number that would be very hard over time to maintain unless it was genetically engineered. And so it just looks like when you study it with all the data that is provided by that big, powerful microscope that you talked about, those microscopes, I mean, I'm just, 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 I'm just trying to put this in language that I can kind of get my head around. It looks too organized to have come from a bat. From everything that I've read, it does to me. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. So, and also, while we're on this subject, I think you're saying then that although we freaked out over cleaning everything, I'm probably not going to get this virus from a gas pump. That's correct. Yeah. Now, now, if the person right before me showed up and they touched, every, they coughed in their hand, they have COVID, they cough in their hand, they touch the thing, the handle or the credit card mechanism or whatever it is they touch, could I pick it up then? Yeah, there's a possibility. We, okay, okay, we so, really don't know exactly how long it stays in the air. Okay. So it's it's airborne. You, you have to... Is it more likely to be a, like a cloud of something they breathed that, that I would like walk into? And Yes. Yeah. Think, okay. of, think, think of um, how you contract a cold or the flu. or it, it, yeah. The timing has to be perfect in terms of when the person coughed, sneezed, spoke, and you have to be close enough to inhale that or breathe it in somehow. Yep. And uh, that's how it enters your body. And does the length of the exposure matter? If I am talking to another person and that I'm three feet away from that person, that person has COVID, 
if I stay for five minutes, is that one thing? But if I talk to him for a half hour, is that quite another in terms of the probability? Just, is it is it kind of a numbers game? Yes, that, that's what I was going to say. I, once the virus can get, I mean, the virus could get in in the first minute you're talking to him. But you're, you, certainly your risk increases the longer you're around that person. Okay. And, and so I'm not likely to get it then, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I think our audience, I think these are things that we all wonder about. I can't get it when I go out to get the mail, probably, no. most likely. No. I don't get it from Amazon packages or, no. or whatever, wherever I get no. packages. No. Is that true? That is true. Okay. For the reasons you're citing. Yes. Has to have a living cell. Has It can only live in another living cell. That's I guess, the only way it can replicate and stay alive. Okay. And we don't know how long... I guess there's a chance that if the Amazon guy drops off the package, he has COVID, he coughs on the package. I go rushing out when I get that little picture of it on my phone and I pick it up. There's a chance I could get it, but it's most likely being transmitted from person to person. And it is the word because it's aerosolized. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. It is a respiratory virus. All right. So we've talked about viruses in general and let's pivot to COVID in particular. What else do we need to know? And I, I know I just asked a bunch of almost random questions because I think those things bug a lot of people and we want to, we want some peace of mind with COVID. What specifically is COVID and, and what can we tell people about that particular virus? Well, COVID is a SARS virus, S, capital S-A-R. And that was that virus that hit us about a decade ago that was so severe and was made people very, very ill. SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. COVID is a type of SARS virus. So that's why it has attacked the respiratory system so viciously. The CO in COVID stands for Corona. And that's because those uh, viruses have that little spike crown-looking thing, you know, coming out of them. If you've seen all the pictures that are on the news and on the Internet, the VI stands for virus and the D stands for disease. And the 19 is the year that we discovered it? we discovered it. Okay. And what else can you say to people who are... I don't know. I mean, we can't alleviate, and maybe at the end we can talk about this, every fear, but what do we actually know about the COVID virus, this coronavirus disease that we discovered in 2019 that is a is the bigger picture virus uh, category, the classification called SARS? Yes. Okay. What else do we know about COVID, if anything? We, we know it attacks the respiratory system, do all SARS viruses do that? Yes. That's why it's called severe acute respiratory system, because it comes in um, through the airways. That's how you get it, right? You have to breathe it in or get it in your mouth or, you know, somehow it has to get in that way. So it attacks that system like the cold does, like the flu does, although there are strands of flu that can also uh, be just a, a stomach flu. Now, COVID can give you some gastrointestinal s- symptoms as well, like that the loss of smell, 
diarrhea, nausea. That, and that's really because your immune system is just going into hypervigilant mode. So what about handshaking? Can we give each other COVID by shaking hands? Theoretically, you could. For example, somebody coughs or sneezes on their hand, you shake their hand right away and put your hand to your mouth. Or Or scratch your nose. nose, Or or, what about your ear? No. Can't get it through the ear? Can't get it through the ear. That's not all connected? Well, it is, but there's a long way to go. The eustachian tube is not... Yeah, I I think that's, you know, I wouldn't say 100%, but that's not particularly plausible. You could get it through your eye if you rubbed your eye. Really? Mm -hmm. So you can touch your ears, not your eyes, not your nose, not your mouth. Yeah, and that's just a good practice period anyway, right? Good hand washing. Well, you know, you told me that back when this started, and and, uh, I notice now... You actually told me that when we were traveling and there was a sign, this is early, this is in uh, uh, 2020, and there was a sign on a, on a grocery store window about masking. And you said to me, you said, people don't wear masks correctly. And watch how, you said, watch how often they touch their mask and their mouth and their nose, and they are defeating the purpose of this, whatever this effort is. And we walked for a while and, and there were several people with masks on. And I said, hey, would you would you put the mask on just to be just as a courtesy? But apparently, uh, and, and what I've observed since then is people are touching their, I mean, we, I, you touch your face all the time yeah. in the normal, you don't think yeah. about it. No, you don't. If you wear glasses, you're adjusting them and, right. and you get an itch, you scratch. And some people do that just as a, uh, touch their face as a, as a habit, almost a, a, a nervous habit. Yes. So how do you not do that? Well, you just have to be aware aware of it. But but remember, think about how you get a virus. And rarely are you shaking hands with someone who's just coughed or sneezed on their hand right away. Hopefully. Yeah. So, I mean, you just want to be aware. Is of fist that. bumping better? Not necessarily if they've coughed or sneezed on their hand. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah, but we think, feel. Think we, about how. Should we? I don't know what about waving? Ever, can we wave? We can wave, of course. But think about how when you sneeze. I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's a lot of fun to do with young kids. If you put colored water in a in a spray bottle, like you'd spray down your counter or something, and pretend like you're. Sp- sneezing and you spray that spray bottle so you said it you set it on mist you set it on mist it kind of simulates what it looks like when you cough or sneeze and those really project out and there's tons of droplets in the air that you can't even see so 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 i saw a simulation on a news network that we were watching just soon after we discovered covid and remember there was talk about staying six feet apart is that based on how far those sprays naturally kind of travel? It was, yeah. It was and, based and, on and those we, kind. We saw something, remember, that goes over the supermarket aisle and into the next aisle. Mm-hmm. Is that, it, could you potentially cough or sneeze such that it travels more than six feet? Very doubtful. 
depends very on very doubtful. Does I, it depend on so it, it would depend on I mean, that's why they're talking about ventilation systems and all that kind of thing, which we should have good ventilation systems no matter what, but they can float in the air because they're so light. Remember, you can't even see them under a regular microscope. So can they travel a little bit longer distance? It probably depends on like the airflow of the place where you are. That's why they've always said if you're outside, you're probably pretty safe. And Why did because, they change it from six feet to three feet? Well, they started to see that the virus really wasn't living that long, and most people are in danger six feet distance, and you can cut it to three feet. Now, scientifically, does that make any sense? I don't know. There's been so much information that has come out that you kind of scratch your head and go, I don't really understand this. <laughs> but Well, one of so those... I'm I've, not- I've- I have on my list is, is this ultraviolet light kind of thing. You know, if, you know, we mm-hmm. heard about companies buying those that yeah. you walk through it. Yeah. And they kind of zap them. You say, zap you say efficacy, I not, don't not think so we, great. No, I don't think that we know enough. Better to spend money on the filtration on the HVAC system. If you're a business or not even, I think most businesses have decent ventilation systems. Okay. Uh, Viruses are here. Viruses, you are not going to eradicate viruses. They are here with us to stay. All right. And you just have to be smart. And don't touch your face. But That's smart practice, period. You can touch anything you get in the mail from Amazon or anybody else. You can fist bump. You can even shake hands if you're careful. But if you touch your face and you've been exposed to COVID, you're toast. I want to switch gears to natural immunity. This is a topic that gets a lot of airtime in our house. I know what little I know about natural immunity is I can best express in an an example. And that is if you've been exposed to uh, hepatitis, you're not likely to to catch it again for some reason. You're talking about hepatitis C? Well, I know there are three types. I was thinking of B, actually. But talk about natural immunity in the context of COVID and uh, what that looks like. Oh, I'm so glad we're going to talk about this because so many people have not been able to understand why natural immunity has not been addressed with this particular virus. So let's just talk about what natural immunity is. Natural immunity is when you actually have the virus, and we're just talking about viruses now. We ha- you have the virus, and um, I'm going to talk about two terms, um, an antigen, which is the bad thing, and that's what the virus is. It's an antigen, which is a, a large molecule of proteins that come in on the surface of a, a pathogen, such as a bacteria, a virus, or something like that, and it's a foreign entity to the body. And so what the happens in the body when an antigen enters, so this would be COVID, as, as we're talking about, is your immune system kicks in, which is an incredible system of white blood cells, particularly B cells and T cells, which we'll talk about. But the antibodies, your immune system kicks in and starts to produce antibodies. And antibodies are these substances that are built 
to combat this particular antigen. Most of them are in the form of a Y. So just think of the letter Y when you think of antibodies being produced. And that Y is going to be built to fit that antigen into the V part of the Y. It's kind of like a lock and key. It fits perfectly. That's how well your immune system works for you. And what's, what is that made of, that Y? Mainly proteins. Okay. Mainly proteins. You just went way over my head, but I think what you just said is if you've had COVID and all your systems are normal, like specifically your immune system, we ordinarily call it, that's probably a bunch of systems, right? It is. But yeah. then your body produces a V-shaped thing mm-hmm. that goes in the Y of the virus No, there are two cells. There are two main cells to think about. Your B cells that are part of your immune system and your T cells. Mm -hmm. The B cells are the ones that come in and create that antibody, which is is shaped like a Y. Okay. The antigen, or COVID, so it, it makes the Y that fits perfectly into that antigen. So the antigen, and it actually comes in and neutralizes it. Okay. So the B cell comes in, locks on to the antigen, neutralizes it so it can't keep, because remember, what does it have to have? It has to have more cells so it can live and replicate. So it locks it and neutralizes that antigen so it can't do that. Mm-hmm. Then there are B cells that actually have memory. So they will live in your body dormant, but remember that particular antigen. So if it hits you again, they're like, okay, I know who you are. And then the T cells are the ones, kind of like the game Pac-Man, the T cells, once the B cells have locked the antigen and made it neutral, the T cells come in and eat it, basically. They're the cleanup crew, is what I call them. Okay. And they take care of it. Okay. And so now you've got B cells that remember this specific virus that came in to invade you, just kind of waiting around in case it comes in again and it's going to attack. So natural immunity to me sounds pretty good. And it is the best form. Even for COVID? Not well, no, I'm not anti-vaccine, but if you've had COVID prior to the vaccine right. or didn't That's what I mean. didn't get the vaccine. Yes. It is your absolute best defense. And, and, and thank- we we call that natural immunity. Natural yeah. immunity means I had it. Right. Right? I had it. I'm over it. I'm over it and I've built my body has built the antibodies to fight it. And viruses sound like they're really weird and unique. And so yeah. We probably should be careful about making blanket statements about all viruses. But is there a rule of thumb for, aren't there some viruses that once you've had them, you'll never have them again? Or no? Um, what I'm getting I at is, say that, how long does natural immunity last? Well, la- natural immunity can last your whole life. That's what I'm getting it, at. It, it, depend- it depends on the virus. And remember, viruses change or mutate. That's the way they keep living that's See, I, why we've had so many strands of them i don't like that well no nobody likes that but 
the good thing about viruses is they get weaker as they continue to mutate. Always? I'm always hesitant to say always, but I can't think of a virus that's gotten stronger. Well, and the reason you probably hesitate is you could get, I mean, there are still probably original COVID viruses floating around out there. And then there's Delta and there's Omicron Omicron, and there's who knows what else. Right. Right. We Uh, don't know how many different strains. Okay. okay. I I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So why did, and and, and I don't want to make our government friends or or medical community or big pharma or anybody angry, but I want to tell the truth because that's what we do here. Why did the government, you know, Fauci and friends stop talking early in this process? I heard all this talk about herd immunity, herd immunity. We're going to get to herd immunity and that's some percentage of the population. And and they were doing math for us. I, I remember this uh, distinctly. We, we didn't have vaccines, if you remember, uh, right. at, at that point. And, and I remember the date, August 4th of 2020. It was supposed to be the day we get to herd immunity. And the curve, we're talking about flattening the curve, doing right. the stay home thing and all that. And yep. Trump wanted to return to uh, everything to normal by Easter. And we didn't, that was mocked in the press. And then we blow right through that. And, and, and we get to August 4th, and we're still having cases like crazy. You know, there, was, there was no herd immunity. Did that prompt the government, and when I say the government, the medical community, part of the government, the NIH and CDC in particular, did that prompt them to stop talking about natural immunity? Well, or, I mean, or we why, can talk. Or why did they? Because this sounds it, way better than, I mean, we're going to get to vaccines if I stop rambling here, but that sounds way better to me than a vaccine. It is. Now, I'm not saying, so don't let me... Don't let me confuse anyone by saying, get COVID, don't get the vaccine. Oh, I understand that. At all. Well, I don't want the listeners to think. But if you've had COVID. if you've had COVID, it's just like having a vaccine. That's what I was. It sounds better to me. It is better. It is better because your body has actually made the perfect antibody. And is it? To fit that antigen. Vaccines just try to mimic that. And, and is it good practice? Uh, that's a terrible way to say it. But is it good for your body to go through that for your immune system to fight it off naturally, if if possible? Is it, yes, is it, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and, and then is it true then that back in the early days of COVID, I remember some of my physician friends, and you know who they are, and I'm not going to name them here, but they said that you're going to weaken the immune system of people by keeping them home and not exposing them to things. Is that true? I tend to believe that that's generally the best case scenario. Now you've got your high risk groups. Oh, I understand. And, and all that kind of, but yes, I mean, your body's immune system was built to do this. If you're a healthy person with a healthy immune system, you're made to fight this off. You're made to fight off the flu. Vaccines only try to mimic that. Right, in other so, words, you're, and we'll, we can talk about the two different types of vaccine, the vector versus the mRNA vaccine, because they work differently. But, well, before we get to vaccines, and let's go there now, but before we do, if they fire Fauci and replace him with you, <laughs> the world becomes a better place immediately. But but if they fire Fauci and they and you're in his position, I'm talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci. I should speak with respect for him and his position. If that happened, 
you would include in your calculus for determining how society is doing, how say, say a nation like the United States, like the continental United States, how we're doing relative to immunity, you would include natural immunity in your calculus. Oh, absolutely. And we're not, and we're not, we do that with every other. Why aren't we, why aren't we doing it with this one? Well, first of all, this virus is a political virus. Don't you think? I do. I mean, I scratched my head from the very beginning with the numbers, the statistics that they put on the TV, you know, those those boards that they were showing, the number of cases, the number of deaths, the statistics just weren't making any sense. And, you know, when the government politicizes something and the government gets involved in medicine, which is not particularly its role— you know, just look at all the miscommunication that has come out. Yeah. And now we have studies saying what many of the people in the medical field were saying all along. Yeah. You know, masks don't work. Herd immunity, it, you know, we've reached herd immunity way, way back. Forcing people who had COVID to get vaccinated or they lose their job instead of allowing them to get an antibiotic an antibody test and prove, you know, I have the antibodies. I'm not going to spread COVID. In fact, thank goodness, Dr. McKay, I believe his name's McKay from Johns Hopkins just came out with a study showing that the people who had COVID two years later still have the antibodies. I saw that. And so you're saying, you know, really, we should probably consider having a card that says, I've been to Quest or competitor and been tested and I've got natural immunity. Well, I, I don't know about cards because I'm well, not really I mean, wild about, but I, I'm I, not either, but I, I mean, think, I mean, as opposed to what New York is doing where you have to produce, oh, I've been vaccinated. Yes, uh, yes. You're saying natural immunity works just fine. And a card that documents that would be sufficient in a world run by you. Yes. And would protect people from losing their jobs. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I was, Prime example, I was talking to a checkout girl at a local grocery store who was telling me that she had COVID and has recovered, young girl, and that this particular employer was going to make her get a vaccine or she would lose her job. And I was trying to explain to her, if you've had COVID, you have, you've, if you've had a vaccine. You've, you've done exactly what a vaccine would have done for you. You've produced the antibodies, and you're in good shape. But they, are, they were not going to accept that. And that's a shame. I mean, that's, that's just unscientific. And to my knowledge, uh, the medical community isn't accepting it. The military isn't accepting it. Um... Because the government has pushed these mandates. Okay. I want to shift gears because I want to be sure to address this because I think this is probably this vaccine issue is probably where most people uh, have most concerns. What about the types of vaccine? What what are we to do? Explain the vaccines and, and just, you know, in words that we can understand and educate us, if you would. Well, first, let's talk about the two different vaccines that we have now prior to Pfizer and Moderna coming out with the mRNA vaccine. This was the first mRNA vaccine that we all have had now. So so we'll, we'll certainly learn a lot, I think, from it. Prior to that, they were all called vector vaccines. 
So those vaccines contain a killed or a weakened form of the organism or the virus. So, so the vector vaccine actually would take a form of that virus and make it into a vaccine, inject it into you. And so that's just like what I was talking to you about when a virus enters your body. So the virus enters your body, your immune system kicks in, those B cells and T cells start to do their job of forming the antibodies or the Ys, remember, so that the antigen or the virus fits right into that Y, neutralizes it, and then the T cells clean it up. So those were the kinds of vaccines we're all familiar with, chickenpox, flu, you know, all of that. Now we have the mRNA vaccine, which if you got the Pfizer or the Moderna, those are mRNA. Johnson & Johnson was vector vaccine. So unlike normal vaccines, mRNA vaccines work by introducing, and the M on the mRNA is the messenger RNA. So it's carrying a message. Just think about, just think of it like that. It carries an mRNA sequence, and that's the, it tells the cells what to build. So it's coded for each disease-specific antigen. So this mRNA vaccine was coded for the SARS-CoV-2 antigen. And once it's produced within the body, the antigen is recognized by the immune system, and it starts to prepare it to fight the real thing. So it's going to produce a pro. It's going to tell the cell to produce. It doesn't actually go into your cell. It doesn't become part of your RNA or DNA or anything like that. It's just sending messages to say produce this particular protein to fight against this virus. Why are mRNA vaccines being studied? They're faster and cheaper. You can you create them in the lab. You don't have to wait for the live virus you know, to get a hold of live viruses and turn them into vaccines, you, you're actually creating all this in a lab. So they're faster and cheaper. They can be produced quickly. Those are some of the good things about mRNA vaccines. But we really don't know a whole lot about their efficacy or their side effects and their lot because we haven't ever used them before on a large population. So... People are wondering, you know, why is there so much break? Why are there so many breakthroughs? I've gotten vaccinated and boosted, and I'm still, and I still got COVID. Those are some of the questions that we kind of are probably going to have to wait for the answers to. And and we're not giving medical advice, and we already talked about that, but people are wondering what to do. And I I think, well, you know, I I do have to say this. I, I, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not thankful that I took a couple of statistics classes in graduate school because they help you think like this. But would you say that for the average person, the vaccines, both of these vaccines and the booster, either reduce the probability that you'll get COVID. And again, you need to go to your doctor for your own advice. You need to make your own decision. But they, they'll, they'll either reduce the probability that you get COVID or at the very least, they reduce the severity of the case of COVID. Yes, yes. It, it appears clearly from, from looking at the studies that vaccinated people do tend to fare better. 
And I don't know if the recovery is quicker, but their case is certainly much milder. Well, and I'll tell you a place where I really have a lot of questions it is, you know, should people, and again, we're not giving advice, but should people who've had COVID get vaccinated and boosted? Because we've seen some death recently, um, you know, a friend and others who apparently had COVID were, were vaccinated and boosted and then had a, a cardiac event or some other event. And I can't, I don't want to scare anybody. I can't conclude that's the case. I, I know other people who've had COVID and been vaccinated and they're fine, but there's been some illness and serious illness in our sphere of influence or sphere of awareness anyway. And I just have to wonder about that. Well, let me just answer it this way. I have never known of, read any kind of paper, been aware of any situation where a vaccine was given to a person who had a virus. Let's think about chickenpox or the flu. If you've had it, your physician is going to run an antibody titer and see how strong is your immune system against getting it is that, that true? virus again? Is that always true? Is that part of the protocol? Yes. Oh, yeah. It absolutely oh, okay. is. So this is what I can't understand with COVID. Why would you tell people that they have to be vaccinated when they've had it without running an antibody titer? So my, my advice to anyone who asks me that question would be go to your physician and let him check your antibodies. If your antibody levels are high, which now with this study that's just been published are showing that they're so much higher than anybody who's been vaccinated even, your doctor's not going to vaccinate you. And, and so with some of these situations we've heard about, do you worry that they had natural, you, you, I, guess, I guess broadly we worry about the impact of having natural immunity and then introducing a vaccine that is going to kind of conflict with that. Yes. And interact yes. with it. Yes. And you're thinking that might be, it would be, it would be overwhelming. I would think to your immune system, which might make you vulnerable to other illnesses. I, you know, that makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Controversial topic before we uh, run out of time here. How much is big pharma making on this? I've, I want to say this big pharma saved my life as a cancer survivor, you know, they had drugs, they put in me this three drug cocktail and they called it chemotherapy for six months. And it was not an easy thing to go through, but it, it, uh, according to my doctor, they, it did the mop up duty to prophylactically remove any lurking disease that was microscopic and not eliminated by my surgery almost 18 years ago. So Thankful for Big Pharma. Appreciate what they do. Got plenty of friends in that industry engaged in drug testing and, and all kinds of things. But it's just been weird to me, their relationship with COVID. And I would imagine there's a lot going on behind the scenes and, and we don't get to sit in the strategic planning sessions and in the management sessions and at the board table of these companies. But what is their deal with COVID? Uh, are they making a lot of money on COVID? Just comment on that, if you would. I think people are curious about this. 
Well, according to Market Watch, they're making a ton of money. Now, I'm not necessarily against Big Pharma making a lot of money. They do incredible research and development. They're the reason that a lot of people come to this country to be treated for things that they can't be treated for in their own countries because we do invest so much into research. R&D, yep. Yeah, but now also remember now that you've got the government involved in this alongside Big Pharma, and that's kind of what makes you a little bit worried. But yes, let me just tell you what MarketWatch said. In the first half of the year, Pfizer and Moderna reported collective sales of $17.2 billion for their vaccines, but both are res- expected to report higher third quarter totals. So third quarter you're, totals you're haven't even come 2021. out. You're talking about 2021? Yes. A collective $18 billion is what they're thinking to that's, come out in. That's billion with a B. Billion with a B. Pfizer is scheduled to report earnings uh, Tuesday morning while Moderna Thursday morning. Johnson & Johnson reported last week more than $500 million in third quarter sales, nearly mm-hmm. double the $264 million it collected in the first half. So the answer to the question, how much is Big Pharma making on COVID, the answer is a lot. A lot. And that was before their earnings were before most of the boosters came out and children were authorized for vaccines. Who pays for, if you know, and I I don't know the answer to this, who pays for all this testing that goes on? If you can go everywhere and get a free test, does it depend? I think the government's paying for it. The state, the federal government? I think the federal government. Wow. Okay. So Big Pharma is making a lot of money. What about... Uh, let's let's talk about just just one more thing, and then maybe we'll do a quick lightning round if we have time. What about deaths? We've recently heard about deaths from COVID versus deaths with COVID. This is something you've talked about in our home for a long time. Deaths from COVID, that is caused by, causally related to COVID, versus deaths where people died from something and happened to have COVID. And I know the distinction. Physicians who are listening are going to say, well, you know, it's not so clear cut. And I know it's not always clear, but but what a comment on that, if you would. Yeah, I think we may never really know the answer to that, but there was a federal report that indicated that of all Americans whose deaths were attributed to COVID-19 on their death certificate, only 6% did not also list other conditions as being a factor. Okay, and those other conditions could be another illness, a comorbidity. A comorbidity, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As, as a comedian, we just, we just heard <laughs> mentioned, being fat is not, yes. your, is not your friend. Well, you're, you know, your big comorbidities are obesity, hypertension, diabetes. Those are kind of your three biggies. And I, and I and don't those have... those you don't want... I don't have two of those. COVID or not COVID around, being around. You know, those are just not healthy comorbidities to have. Yeah. At, at what point, <laughs> just to make this really personal, at what point is being fat a problem? How fat is fat for How this fat purpose? fat are you? Are well, you, I think... You're going to go to BMI and that kind of stuff? You know, I, I'm not a big fan of BMI because of how it was developed in... Yeah. And it was not developed in this country. However, we use it. But not there, a big fan there, of it, BNI, but BMI. B, that's what I said, BMI. But think about it this way: if your if your blood pressure is starting to go up, 
If your blood sugar levels are starting to go up, you're probably too fat. By starting to go up, you mean entering the problem entering range where they're with, like, like where they say where they want to start medicating. We're going to need to watch this. Going to need to have you come in a little yes. more often. And so these are things that are controllable. And if we could lose some weight, it makes us diet and exercise. Yeah. All right. I want to do a quick lightning round here at the end. I don't really have a, any more uh, uh, really challenging big picture questions, but just talk about masks. And we, we have friends who, who really believe in masks and wear them and students who wear them to my classes. Any instructions to people on masks? They don't work. Unless you're wearing an N95 or KN95 mask. Now, an N95 mask, you actually have to be individually fitted for, and you cannot wear those masks for long, long periods of time. It's very difficult to breathe in them. You know, I did a nuclear stress test just because I'm a hypochondriac and was driving my doctor crazy. You know, that's the test for your heart where you get on a treadmill and they, they put some radioactive dye in your veins and... They measure the, I, I should be careful even talking about it because I'm not sure I understand it, but they, they basically they measure your blood intake into your heart and your output to see if you have any clogging going on. And I didn't, thankfully. I had to wear a mask during that test. And when I when I saw the physician later, I said, I said that had to get the heart rate up faster. He said, oh yeah, it saves us all sorts of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, think about the, the N95 mask is fitted to your face so that it, you have absolutely no gaping around your nose your, or your mouth and all. And, and those are great for medical professionals who need that protection. Do they wear them in surgery and that kind of thing? Is that what no, they're for? No, you don't wear those in surgery. You wear just regular masks in surgery because you're just trying to keep things so out when, of... So when would you wear an N95 if you're if you're working it, in an infectious like disease unit or something? Like a hyperbaric chamber, yeah. Someone who's had bone marrow transplant and is at very, very high risk. For, Got it. Yeah. And then the KN95 you can buy. They don't have to be fitted, but they are so thick you can barely breathe when you're... You know, they would not be healthy to wear for hours on end. All right, I got I got just a couple of real lightning round questions. We have friends who've succumbed to COVID, who've died probably because they had COVID. Now you don't ever you don't always know all the underlying um, issues, and 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 sometimes people die with a disease that what went undiagnosed. But how can my friend's ninety year old mother who has asthma survive COVID? and a a healthy 50-year-old person succumbs to it? Well, look back at the Bible and the the verse in the Psalms that tells us you were knitted together in your mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our DNA, my DNA, is unique to me. There is not one person on this earth that has the same DNA as I do or you do, the 90-year-old or the 50-year-old. So we are all unique, and our bodies are unique. So it depends on the strength of their immune system, Yep. Their, whether they have comorbidities or not. That's how. And the strand of the virus. How virile and how much viral load did they have? Our days are numbered. We're going to be on this earth a certain number of days. We're... we're this COVID politicization of COVID from the beginning has made our country realize our death obsession. 
And in the Old Testament, it was like that too. Yes. Uh, you know, humans have always been deeply concerned about death. And I, I know there are those who take the statistics and try to manipulate them and try to reach conclusions that uh, are uh, are sometimes valid and sometimes not. But COVID has caused some additional death. But what you're saying is we've probably attributed some deaths to COVID that shouldn't have been. I mean, we're confident in that now. Let me just say this. Hospitals were being paid additional money for every COVID case that they had. Their surgeries, surgery, elective surgeries had been shut down. You know, they were losing money. So yeah. I, do I think that's a factor? Yes. Yeah, in some cases. In yes. some cases. Yep. Well, this has been helpful. It feels like we just scratched the surface. We might need to do this again. I know people are, I just think our nation is fixed on this. I worry what I want to talk about that we don't have time for is mental illness and anxiety and depression and all the lifestyle adjustments and all the other things. I've talked in previous episodes about the economy and it's funny because government's involvement in the economy is is, is as bad as government's involvement in in a uh, pandemic. Yes. And, and not not particularly that, this one. And I what think. we didn't say is government is bad. Government isn't evil. Its involvement at certain levels in certain cases uh, goes too far. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. I hope this conversation this sounds like something we we talk about all the time. I hope we didn't leave out the uh, connective tissue that makes it valuable to the listener. We might just do this again very soon. So thank you for being with us. Please go to our website, John Warren Media. Dot com For more information, please like, share, subscribe to and comment on uh, this episode in particular. We want to hear your thoughts. You can send an email to me via the contact form on the website or you can send it to my email address directly. John at John Warren Media dot com. Our guest has been my incredible wife, Connie, and it is so nice for you to share your expertise with us. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, folks, until next time, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.